Good afternoon. You're listening to KFSK News for Thursday, February 29th. I'm Hannah Floor. The significance of Alaskan actor Fihes Diane Benson's character in the HBO series True Detective was revealed in the season finale earlier this month. If you haven't seen it, don't worry. We won't be spoiling the ending here. Benson lives in Petersburg now, but she's lived all over the state, and she's done all sorts of things. She was a professor of Alaska Native Studies at the University of Alaska Fairbanks, an activist politician and Democratic candidate for statewide office, a union tractor-trailer truck driver, and a dog musher. She's a creative writer and a mother. And Benson's been an actor for nearly half a century. She started acting in her 20s, mostly in theater. She says her favorite projects are those that are fun but have hard truths. They often represent the strength of women in tough situations. She says one of those is When My Spirit Raised Its Hand, a one-woman show that she wrote, produced, and performed. It eventually became part of the PBS film about Elizabeth Paratrovich for the rights of all. Last year, she was cast as the character B in True Detective's fourth season, subtitled Night Country. The story is set in northwestern Alaska, just days into what will be three months of night. It centers around eight scientists missing from a research center and the seemingly connected cold case of a murdered indigenous activist. The show explores the tension between residents of the fictional town of Ennis and the nearby mine that is both sustaining the town economically and poisoning its water supply. Benson sat down with KFSK to talk about being in the crime series and her acting career. She says that she prefers the stage over acting for TV and film because she enjoys the energy exchange with a live audience. In film, it's, okay, cut, do that again. Only this time say this. Only this time show me this. You know, and it, it's, it can be exhausting. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's not the same. Yeah. It's, it's just not the same. I, I thought I would never do film because I, I just didn't like that part of it. So why did you sign up for this? I don't know. I think, well, I do know. It was, um, it's the idea of women being strong when they're the underdog in the situation. And that always will appeal to me because I always want to tell that story. But I want to tell that story about any underdogs, regardless of what race, color, whatever. The ones that don't look like they have a chance or there's, they're always being stepped on. But what if they come out of it? What if they get the upper hand? What if they get to have, which would be a big reach, what if they get to have justice? That appeals to me. So that's why you decided to, to sign up. Yes. But how did it feel to work on the project? And, you know, it's a project that really centers indigenous women. How did it feel to be part of that project? Getting to know and bond with other uh, indigenous women who are we're all different from each other. I mean, there's a group from Greenland. And so all of us really came together because... There's triggers in this thing. I don't really like to use that word, but that's, I have to acknowledge it in this because you're dealing with rape and violence, and I know it. 
I know it too personally. And I've seen it and I've fought against it and I've raised awareness about it and I hollered when nobody was listening. And it took everything I had. That's why I wrote and performed the pieces I did on stage that were very very in your face. And so they were controversial. People got angry at me. Like you, even other Native people, you don't talk about those things. It's like, well, I'm going to. I'm going to. Because I, I just can't help it. I, I feel like I, that's, I have to do it. Mm-hmm. Or I won't sleep at night. So you play the character B. And we see her in the first episode. Um, we see that she's a protector. And she's using the power that she has to take care of other people. Um, That's the protector. I mean, it's the protector in her and it's the protector in me. So it was a, it was easy to fall into, to get B. Yeah. What prepared you to play the role? How did you figure out who she was? I don't think it was hard. <laughs> I knew right off from when she was going to hit somebody with a bucket. Hell yeah, I got you. <laughs> yeah, I know who you are because that's me. Except I just don't pick up a bucket anymore. That was actor Fahey Cyan Benson speaking with KFSK about her role as B in the HBO show True Detective Night Country. A much longer version of this interview can be found at kfsk.org. The Alaska House of Representatives is mulling over an amendment to the state constitution that would guarantee residents a permanent fund dividend payment according to a set formula every year. The House began floor debate on the measure yesterday. As it stands, the amount of the PFD is set each year by the legislature. That's the way it's been since 2016, when then-Governor Bill Walker vetoed a portion of the dividend. The Alaska Supreme Court upheld the veto, saying the PFD is subject to the same appropriation and budget process as other state spending. Prior to that, dividends were paid out according to a formula in state law based on the permanent fund's net income. Though it's no longer used, the formula remains on the books in state statute. The amendment would would require the state to use the old formula unless lawmakers adopt a new one. The sponsor of the constitutional amendment, Nikiski Republican Representative Ben Carpenter, says it would protect the dividend from competing with other budget priorities. But opponents say the amendment would require the state to pay out dividends it can't afford under an obsolete formula. A roughly $3,500 dividend under the existing formula would cost the state some $2.3 billion this year. That's about a third of the state's general purpose revenue. Two-thirds of the House and Senate must vote for the resolution to place it before the voters. A final vote on the measure is expected in the coming days. Governor Mike Dunleavy introduced a bill last week taking aim at protesters and others who block highways and other public avenues. The bill would create a new crime called obstruction of free passage in public places. It would be a misdemeanor and carry a maximum penalty of up to a year in prison and a $25,000 fine. In a news release, Dunleavy said the bill is meant to ensure public spaces remain accessible and that it's important to distinguish between peaceful protests and actions that pose a risk to public safety. 
Several states have passed similar bills in recent years, leading to criticism from civil liberties groups who say they improperly restrict protected speech. The bill would also stiffen existing penalties for blocking highways, navigable waters, and airport runways. And it would upgrade first-degree trespassing to a felony if it puts someone at risk of injury or interferes with emergency responders. The bill would also allow drivers to sue people who block highways. Drivers who get caught in a roadblock would be entitled to sue each protester for $10,000 for the inconvenience. If the roadblock results in someone's death, they could sue for up to half a million dollars. Organizers would also be subject to lawsuits, even if they don't directly participate. The bill has been referred to the House Transportation and Judiciary Committees. Petersburg High School debuts its spring play tonight at 6.30 p.m. Peter and the Starcatcher is a prequel to the J.M. Berry classic Peter Pan. It's also one of the longest plays to reach Petersburg's stage in several years. It's about two hours of swashbuckling fun. KFSK's Shelby Herbert has more on the blood, sweat, and pixie dust Petersburg students have poured into the production. It's two days before the first curtain call, and I'm watching the chaos of Tech Week unfold on stage. The Wright Auditorium is alive with the rustling of hoop skirts and the clattering of wooden cargo containers. About a dozen students in homespun Victorian-era costumes reel around the auditorium, retracing their blocking, parroting their lines to each other, and transforming the stage into the deck of a 19th-century wooden ship. Petersburg High School senior Kinley Lister is hurriedly trying on a white pinafore. She plays one of the leads, Molly Astor, the titular star catcher, who's on a secret mission to protect a trunk of magical stardust. And our story is kind of like the um, prequel to Peter Pan. And so uh, she's friends with Peter Pan before he knows he's Peter Pan. Um, During a short break from the hustle and bustle, Lister tells me she didn't really know what she signed up for when she landed the lead role. And it's been a pretty wild ride since. I think we're all pretty nervous, but we've been practicing really hard. So I think we'll have all the little details ironed out and we'll be ready to go by Thursday. So Elsa Winterstein, director of the play and the high school's drama teacher, cuts into their chatter. Okay, everybody, we're going to start off by closing our eyes, turning off our voices and taking a deep breath in through our nose. She leads the students through some warm-ups to wind them down before they start one of their final dress rehearsals. And out. Winterstein chose a particularly ambitious project for her students this year, a play that is two acts and about two hours long. It also requires them to sing and put on their best British accents. Her Majesty, Queen Victoria. Save her! God save her! Winterstein, who's also a language arts teacher, says she chose Peter and the Starcatcher because she believes her students would be able to connect with the story, in which the two leads are on the cusp of leaving childhood behind. They're both 13, and so um, they're both looking at, ah, what's it going to take to, you know, leave behind the things of childhood, whether that's, I don't know, way they play or the joy or the relationships there and move on to the responsibilities of what it means to grow up. Winterstein says this is the longest play Petersburg drama students have put on in at least several years. 
but she says her cast is up to the challenge. And I've, I've been very proud to see them take on, yeah, the burden of work that that requires. Just, um, yeah, the amount of the amount of practice, the amount of lines. It's, yeah, it's no small feat what they've done. So faith, trust, and a bit of pixie dust aren't the only ingredients the casting crew have poured into this production. The young thespians say that buckets of fake tears and real sweat were central to their creative process. But Winterstein doesn't want her cast to smell like pirates, even if they're playing them. Medium is um, deodorant because theater lights are hot. You're going to sweat so badly and we're going to smell so bad at the end of all this. So deodorant and regular showering in between shows is a good thing. Large, it would be accurate. It would be accurate, but the audience, we don't want the audience to smell the audience us. To be like, they don't want so method acting isn't part of Winterstein's vision, especially when it comes to the story's darker themes. Flyers for the play posted around town include a content warning for cruelty towards orphans. Student actor Chris Calhoun, who plays one of those orphans, says the audience can expect some intense moments. There's a lot of talk about um, abuse of orphans and um, not having parents, just like being an orphan, being sold into slavery, then finding out you're actually going to be fed to snakes. Um, <laughs> but it really helps the story develop and makes it more in-depth. Lead actor Waylon Jones, who plays the orphaned Peter, says it was rewarding to engage with those challenging elements. I think it's a really funny play and it definitely has some uh, more uh, mature themes in it that you don't usually get out of these types of plays. So I just think it's a, definitely worth the watch. But stage manager and actor Heidi Brantuis says that audiences will also be treated to decidedly less mature themes to temper the sad parts. In true as I like to say, Shakespearean fashion, there's always that little brief moment of comedy to balance out the severity of the situation. So there's like this really dark part of the scene and then the next one, people are making fart jokes. <laughs> Brantuis says those moments of levity and gastrointestinal agony are what make the play special. And even throughout the cast's hundreds of hours of practice, those moments have never gotten old just like Peter Pan himself. From the Wright Auditorium in Petersburg, I'm Shelby Herbert. For KFSK, I'm Hannah Floor.